This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And with me on the other side of the country that we love so much, Ben Wilson, what's going on? Not much. It's great to be here. So we have done over 50 interviews at this point on Marketing Trends, uh, a little over that. And so we wanted to do an episode today where Ben and I talked about five lessons. There were many lessons in the first 50 Marketing Trends interviews, but five lessons that kind of stood out to us. Um, you know, Ben is the one behind the scenes listening and re-listening and pulling tidbits and working on our newsletter and doing things like that. So he has a lot of insights into uh, you know, reading and rereading and listening to these interviews. And we wanted to share some of those, some of those takeaways. But before we do that, so Ben, what was kind of your impression after this weighty tome, this volume of, uh, of content that you've uh, got a chance to check out from a marketing perspective over the past, uh, gosh, what is it like six months now? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you go and read the marketing trends newsletter, the quote this week is, uh, from a writer, Anne Fadiman, who says the reader who plucks a book from her shelf only once is as deprived as the listener who, after attending a single performance of a Beethoven symphony, never hears it again. And I kind of felt that like as I was going through and listening to and reading some of these episodes again, I realized, wow, there's so many great learnings here that I had forgotten about that I haven't had a chance to implement yet. It's really worth going through and listening to some of these a second time. Yeah, it's funny you said that because just yesterday we had a really fun CMO roundtable um, and Chandar was in here, uh, the CMO of Coupa, and he's a brilliant guy. And we had JJ, Jennifer Johnson, the CMO of Tenable in here. And one of the things that was so interesting was getting them in the, in the CMO roundtable to rehash a few of the things that we talked about, but then seeing the cross-pollination of ideas when CMOs come together. And I was reminded the exact same thing. And I'm going to go back and listen to the Chandar episode and the Jennifer Johnson episode for that exact reason. I'm like, there are so many little insights that when you hear it the first time or you don't, you know, you were listening at the gym or whatever it was that you don't have time to go back and take a note and, and drive something to implement it. Yeah. And you know, you talk about the cross-pollination of ideas. It's also interesting as you go back through it to see how many common threads there are. And it maybe it doesn't strike you the first time, but once you have seen three or four really successful CMOs say the same thing, you realize, oh, there's really something like this is, it underlines it a lot for you. Yeah. And that's a great, it's a great segue into, into the list of, of five takeaways. You know, we had many takeaways. These are just five of them. All takeaways are uh, are not alike, but these are our five uh, for right now. The caveat on this that I'll say is like, these are not marketing trends from a technology perspective. These are not trends that I would say are, you know, we're not going to be talking about uh, ABM. We're not going to be talking about AI. We're, we're not going to be talking about this stuff. These are takeaways that 
that leaders have talked about over and over again of how they view marketing, how they view the world from a broad sense. So let's get into it. Number one, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. Marketing is meant to be remarkable. Marketing is something that you want to have the person who is consuming it talk about it with other people. You want them to talk about it with their colleagues, with their spouse, with their boss, with whoever it is. It's meant to give them ideas and inspiration and little tidbits and learnings that they can take back and share with other people, whether that's an emotion, it's a type of feeling or whatever it is. And I think so much of what we talked about with a lot of leaders is just how it gets reductive and a little boring sometimes. And that the best campaigns, when we ask that question at the end of every episode, what campaign are you envious of? Nobody ever picks a boring one. Nobody ever picks something, uh, you know, the favorite campaign that they've ever done was something that nobody talked about. So it, it's always something that people do talk about. Yeah. And, you know, I think a common misconception about this is, oh, yeah, that's for consumer facing businesses. And we asked a bunch of CMOs, you know, does this apply as much to B2B businesses as it does to B2C? And every single one of them said yes. You know, a lot of them drew out the idea that people make the mistake in B2B marketing of not treating sometimes their buyer, their market as as people. <laughs> they are people. They they thrive on the same emotional appeals, on the same type of memorable marketing that works in a B2C context as well. Yeah, Jonathan Mildenhall, who was the CMO at Airbnb, said that he genuinely wanted every dollar that he put into his marketing should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation per dollar spent, right? So anything that he puts out in the world, he wanted to drive conversation because conversation drives word of mouth, even for a massive piece of business like Airbnb. And I always thought that was, that was just such a great way of looking at it, that if he's going to put something out into the world, he wants it to be able to drive conversation. You know, and conversely, this is actually an episode that's coming up soon that we haven't released yet. But when we talked to Jay Bear, you know, he talked about how word of mouth is directly responsible for 19% of purchases, which doesn't seem like a huge number, but you know, essentially a fifth of purchases it's directly responsible for, but it influences as much as 90. And that's the big number where if your marketing allows people, if it accelerates word of mouth, it allows people to have things to talk about, uh, you're going to be in a better spot. Yeah. And, and he brought up that idea that fewer than 1% of companies have an actual strategy for generating word of mouth. And it's not something that happens by accident. You know, it's, it, you have to have a deliberate strategy around generating that sort of remarkable marketing or, or, or it doesn't happen. Number two, and this kind of ties into what we were just talking about, which is the idea of being ambitious. We heard from Beth Comstock you know, who is just a legendary marketer, that she would always carve out 10 to 15% of her budget to explore what's new and new for experiments, the partnerships and ideas and new, new ways of working. We heard over and over and over again from people talking about how well Snapchat early days, Twitter promote early days, Facebook ad early days, you know, uh, certain publishers or types of mediums or whatever it is, that there was massive amounts of opportunity in finding those channels early on. We heard that over and over and over again. 
And that involves risk. In a lot of cases, you know, it potentially could involve a lot of risk. And it doesn't just have to be for paid channels. Being ambitious is about saying, you know, hey, we're a mission-driven company. We have a mission that we believe. This campaign is going to be geared around facilitating the mission that our company has and making sure that it's linked into how we can measure that from a sales perspective. But it's the idea that at the end of the day, you're not going to be extremely conservative and a marketer and be able to get those type of wins because you're not going to, you know, you can't, you can't win what you don't put in the middle. Yeah. I mean, two stories it makes me think of. One is John Mildenhall, and I promise we're not going to just discuss his interview for this entire episode, but we could because it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was that good. Uh, we really could. But but he he talked about, you know, going in to the Oscars and saying, hey, we're going to be the number one most talked about brand throughout the Oscars. And that is obviously very coveted uh, real estate. And, and so to be the most talked about brand in that context is really, really difficult. But if you're not shooting that high, you're never going to accomplish anything big, anything remarkable. The other one that comes to mind is Paul Darcy, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Indeed, and him talking about shifting just the way people think about their jobs. Indeed is a employment-related search engine. You know, Basically, it's, it's a website that helps people find jobs. And Paul talked about how for almost all their competitors, their advertising centered around, you know, jobs suck. Like they made fun of them and, and we're saying, but you have to have a job, basically might as well do it with us. And he basically took the point of view of, well, what if we turned this on his head and said, you know, you can find a lot of fulfillment through jobs that can be a great thing. And to have that kind of ambition to really transform the way people look at their jobs, I think uh, is inspiring. Yeah. I, I also look at ambition with the, the Peter Schwartz episode, which was a wonderful episode. If if anyone hasn't listened to it, I highly recommend it. He's a futurist. He worked with Steven Spielberg to literally build the future that they created in Minority Report and amongst many other things that he's done in his career. But one of the things that we talked about was specifically the brands that got involved in the movie Minority Report. Uh, Lexus uh, is, is a huge example of that. And Lexus recently getting involved in, in Black Panther as well. There is a huge risk associated with being in a movie. It costs a lot of money. The movie might get absolutely crushed uh, from the critics. It might get crushed from fans. There's a lot of risk there. But if you look at, you know, he mentioned that Minority Report has been seen by 2 billion people at this point in time. That's an ad that is still cranking, you know, for Lexus, uh, that product placement. And it, it took them being ambitious to be able to do that. Yeah. And you talk about failure. You know, you have to have a stomach for failure if you're going to be ambitious because it's not risky if you know it's going to work out. Yeah. And that that's a it's a great segue into into number three, which is fusing creativity and science. We're at a point in time where brand marketers need to be data driven. Every marketer needs to be data driven, but brand marketers being data driven is a very new thing. People have reached out to us that are brand marketers that have listened to the show and said, wow, it's really cool to hear how other marketers are starting to track with data some of their brand activities. There's you know, a science to marketing and there's an art to marketing. And both of those things are critically important. 
There's an empathy that you need to have with your customers. There's an empathy that you need to really portray and get in front of uh, your prospects. And ultimately, if you do that really well, but you aren't tracking it, then it's just not going to be a successful campaign. And it's, it's obvious to say that, but hearing some of the people do it in practice, I think really kind of nailed that point home. A great example is Ryan Benici talking about his story of the email signature generator, which is the perfect example of he had this idea that SMBs needed an email signature generator and they created the product and everyone kind of at the company was like, Ryan, this I don't really get why we would do this. And then it ended up being a massively successful campaign. It was thinking about, hey, our customers need something. Let's build them the tool and then let's track this. The creativity plus the science and ended up being a successful campaign. Yeah. I mean, I love that because I think a lot of times people want to separate kind of left brain, right brain. You know, your performance marketers are your sort of left brain, more strategic thinkers. Your brand marketers are your more right brain. I, I don't know the left brain, right, right, whichever it is, the more creative thinkers. But I think that story with Ryan shows someone who is doing something that's kind of performance marketing related, but he's got that creativity. He's got that curiosity that people kind of associate with with more creative types. And then, you know, on the other side of it, that story with Benton Crane of a video going super viral, getting 300 million views and him saying, you know, if we hadn't put the rigor and the science behind it, it probably would have generated less than a tenth of that. Yeah, the Squatty Potty video that he said, if we hadn't thought through, you know, what it meant that we could have let it go viral, you know, once it was viral and then it would have lasted a couple of weeks and we could have got, you know, 10 or 15 million views on that campaign. And we could have just kind of sat on our laurels and been like, hey, that was great. But what they did was they quadrupled down on distribution and they it ended up, you know, passing, I think, 300 million views like that. That type of of rigor to making sure that once you have an asset that is out there, perform well is uh, is critical. You know, someone else that we that we haven't interviewed yet on the show, Larry Kim talks about this all the time with like unicorns and donkeys that, um, you know, if you create 100 pieces of content, 98 are going to be donkeys and they don't work. And then, you know, two are going to be unicorns that work really well. Well, once you figure that out, uh, you know, kill the donkeys and then um, and then promote the unicorns by by putting additional ad spend or whatever it is in front of them. You know, that's one tactic, but it's the idea that if you're fusing creativity and science and you're you're doing the work to get the content right, you need to be very analytical about how you track that. And then ultimately, what every single CMO has, has talked about is tying those analytics into your sales process. So that that's the final piece of that fusing creativity and science. Which segues nicely to our fourth point, which is you need to be able to understand all this, but you don't necessarily need to be able to do it all. You know, we, we heard from a few different CMOs that you don't need to feel like you have to be able to do everything. You know, a marketing leader should be a leader and, and should have people around them who are really great specialists at, at doing some of these individual tasks and functions within marketing. Yeah, I mean, marketing leaders should lead, right? They should they should build their organization. And we talked about, or we heard about 
coaching up, coaching down, like making sure that the members of your board and your C-suite and all those people understand what marketing does and to say, hey, there's you know these five functions. I am really good at two of them and I've hired for three of them is something that we've heard a lot of times from really good marketing leaders. You know, back to Chandar, his point of you have to be the C in CMO. You know, a lot of people are good at the M. They're good at the marketing part, but they're not as good at being the chief. And whether you're the CMO or not, it's the idea that if you're in charge of marketing, that there is a chiefly duty to that in which revolves around talking to all of your business partners and talking to your team and making sure that they clearly can articulate the value of marketing in the organization. And that's that, you know, internal marketing that's so critical. Yeah. I mean, I thought Jennifer Johnson had a a pretty succinct quote when she said, you could either be the person people come to when they want to understand lead flow, or you could be the person people want to come to when they want to make sure the product strategy is in line with the vision for the industry and the company, which I think uh, sets the vision pretty nicely for what it's like to be an actual leader. All right, let's get into number five. This is the last one. And this is what I like to call fight where you can win. But another way of putting it is be where your competitors are. In. We heard from a lot of marketing leaders about the campaigns that they've done where they really stood out and they were something that had nothing to do with where their competitors were. It wasn't, you know, the booth next to their competitors at the event. It wasn't, you know, the uh, the ad on the uh, TV spot that's right next to where their competitors ad is or whatever it is. It is something truly unique and different that is not where their competitors are. And when we talk about fight where you can win, positioning your marketing as, you know, you're the only solution to your customer's problem, that it extends to you have to be in other places where you would be top of mind for your competitors. And a great example of this is uh, in, a, in an episode that has not come out yet um, with our friend uh, Francesco Leone, where he's talking about a story about cheese, where they were marketing a specialty cheese and blue cheese had started to be really popular in burgers. And they had a blue cheese that historically hadn't done super well. And so he was like, oh, let's let's rebrand the packaging. So they started calling it Burger Blue. And what he did was, instead of going out and paying a bunch of ads for Burger Blue, he went to the supermarkets and asked them to put the Burger Blue cheese in the meat aisle instead of in the cheese aisle. So that as soon as someone was thinking of making burgers that they could just grab the burger blue and then it flew off the shelves. And that's where we're talking about where, you know, fighting where you can win, positioning yourself with your messaging or in your category. You know, we talked a lot about category creation and and this is uh, a large part of this about creating a category and creating the actual market about being where your competitors aren't. But for that particular moment in time, they were the only burger blue cheese in the aisle and uh, and they won market share in that category. You're making me hungry for uh, for a blue cheese burger now. I don't I don't know, I know if that right? was the goal but Francesco made just a couple sales with with that podcast episode alone. I know, right? I I, I joked I was like, dude, I could have done 
I think we did 30 minutes on cheese. So uh, it's coming <laughs> up in the not too distant future. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess we'll kind of close with this. One of the things that's so fun about this podcast and doing it, and, and we would love your feedback, please, you know, email us at team at marketingtrends.com with any feedback or thought or ideas, or if you want to send fan mail to, to Ben. But one of the things that's so fun is just there's so many experiences that marketers have that help share stories from one place to another, different industries, different verticals, different types of products, and they all kind of inform each other. That's why we, you know, we talk a lot about B2B on here. B2B traditionally is not as popular of a topic um, and it's becoming more popular, but we try to make sure that we get B2C, get growth, get B2B all together in one place uh, to be able to talk about it and share share best practices and lessons learned. And, uh, you know, at the top, you mentioned that quote, and I think it's completely right. When you have the ability to go back and listen to a snapshot in time of where a certain marketing leader was at that point in their career when they were working for that company with those challenges, it's really valuable. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things I've loved about the podcast is, yeah, I mean, a lot of the great insights come from the places where you would expect to hear them from. It's it's not, frankly, a great surprise that John Mildenhall has really fantastic things to say about marketing. I think a lot of the surprising insights, the stuff that you might not have learned otherwise, is the stuff that you hear from people who are trying to sell blue cheese, you know, from people who are marketing things. They're totally different industries, a totally different way of doing things. And uh, that that's where you really get those unexpected insights from. And, and that's one of the, the great things about the podcast, one of the things I've loved. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Those are five lessons. We'll have plenty more, uh, and I'm sure we'll go into those in a bunch more detail. Check out the newsletter if you're not subscribed, uh, marketingtrends.com, and, and subscribe there. Thanks to to all of you for listening and commenting and sharing and liking on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. We really appreciate it. It's been absolutely awesome making the show, and uh, here's to the next 50 interviews. I promise they're coming because uh, I think we're, we might almost be at 50 guests booked out right now. So um, if you ever have a recommendation or want your CMO on, just uh, drop us a note. And uh, kudos to Ben, who just does a great job. So good job, you, man. Yeah, since I control this, I'll probably cut that in post. But uh, thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Touche. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day.
head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.